African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Good morning. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushata Marachi on Channel Africa, your African perspective. We're here on Channel Africa on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. Some in service into the continent to our friends on the African continent. Thank you for joining us here on our English service. Remember, we're also on DSTV, mainly in South Africa on Channel 802 on the audio book here. You can also stream us live on our website. Today, we have our usual a big conversation every day from Monday to Thursday we bring you experts to look at one big uh, subject matter and uh, today uh, we're asking the question can uh, BRICS actually survive the current global economic slowdown and also when you look at all these BRICS countries if you're not aware of them, Brazil, China India, uh, Russia and South Africa, they currently experiencing slow economic growth themselves and are facing political instabilities hence both critics and support of the economic grouping are starting to question the survival of BRICS's progress and economic strength. The group's economic giant, China, has also received criticism for its agenda, as it has been said to be pushing countries such as Pakistan, Laos, and many Central Asia countries to agree to high-interest projects that will deepen these countries' debt rates. Now, South Africa and Brazil are also being criticized for uh, the government uh, environment there, looking at issues of corruption and political instability, hence weakening investment confidence, especially in those two countries. Joining us once again is our BRICS expert, is Cyril Prince-Louis. He's a researcher from the South African Institute of International Affairs. And for the first time coming into this conversation, I think I've had Arina before, Arina Morisan, who is a researcher from the Institute for Global Dialogue, who is joining us for this program. Still trying to get hold of Dr. Jaya Josie, there's a storm in Cape Town, so I think uh, uh, the lines there are giving us a bit of trouble. He is from the HSRC, from the BRICS Research Center, so we'll see if we can still get the doctor to join us. Cyril, let me start with the big question. We know all the BRICS countries seem to be economies that are experiencing an economic slump. Now, in the current unpredictability in the global economics, it's not just these countries. We know it's a global dynamics. Is BRICS still a formidable grouping? Uh, morning, Benjamin. Uh, absolutely, I think you're you're quite right. Mm. Um, most of the the BRICS are are currently experiencing some political challenges, economic mm. challenges, and the picture is markedly different from you know 2011, 2012, when mm. you know in in the post uh, global uh, recession period mm. where mm. they were standout performers in the global economy. Sure. Having said that, I think we still need to realize that. You know, most of the BRICS are still key economies in their respective regions. Okay. Brazil in, in Latin America, mm. uh, South Africa, throughout uh, Southern Africa. Mm. Uh, same with China, Russia, India. They're all still formidable uh, political and economic actors. Mm. Uh, and certainly still by them coming together, they still um, present a formidable force in the global economy, in mm. global politics, in, in global dialogues. Mm. Aruna, do you agree? Absolutely. Um, 
Look, thank you, first of all, for having me. Um, sure. But to get back to the question, even though individual countries may be experiencing the slump, collectivity, especially in the global south, matters. Mm. The BRICS formation managed to be so successful was because of the unstable 2009 global meltdown. And as a geostrategic partnership, it is important to take into account the impact of the BRICS partnership that it will have outside the parameters of the respective country borders and the overall implication for growth. Mm. And so an individual country projection will only mm. provide a snapshot of the larger story to be told. Mm. Now, now let's, let's elaborate on, on, on that. Let's look at the current situation because I'd like to kind of unpack the challenges that these various countries are facing currently and also in that arena, we are seeing kind of a, a, a slump in terms of uh, the big ambitions that this grouping does have. We know on the African continent there's a big infrastructure project that needs to be done. We know that when it comes to India and other uh, the rest of the uh, countries, there's a, a big kind of innovation project when it comes to the agricultural sectors. But there seems to be challenges in this current uh, economic slump. Absolutely. Um, look, when considering economic challenges um, that regions face in particular, mm. um, it's not enough just to consider the, the basic indicators like GDP projections, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. It's really easy to forget the people who make it happen. Mm. So an economy should not be measured in terms of the strength of a country mm. or the country should not be measured in terms of the strength of an economy, but rather the needs and strengths of the people. If an economy is healthy, you will typically see low unemployment and wage increases as mm. businesses demand labor to meet the growing economy. But at the end of the day, all I see in that are the people who make it happen. So address the needs of the people in terms of economic, profound economic inequalities, mm. and you will see these challenges being addressed. Mm. Well, when you look at some of these economies, let's look at three of them, uh, uh, Cyril. We look at Brazil, we look at South Africa, we look at India. They have those particular challenges that Arena has highlighted, especially issues of inequality that need to be addressed. And it seems that even right now, it's still a task for these countries. Uh, abs- absolutely. You're, you're very right. Uh, inequality is... Um Perhaps not just those three countries, but uh, across the the five BRICS mm. countries is a key challenge. Mm. Uh, and you know, increasingly we see these countries acutely aware mm. of this specific challenge and looking to address them. Um, for example, by placing greater focus on SMEs, mm. uh, small medium enterprises. Mm. You know, small medium enterprises uh, has shown how they can. Uh, positively contribute to economy, how mm. they can reduce inequality, how they can inc- create an employment, uh, and certainly, you know, we've seen the group, this group of countries, BRICS, um, focusing on on such mechanisms mm. to to try and address these issues. Mm. Arena, y- your thoughts on 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 that particular issue, especially because we know that uh, just yesterday the 2017 BRICS High Tech SME Cross Border Investment and Trade Corporation Conference. Uh, it's a very big, big, big title for a conference, but it was really looking at small, medium enterprises, how to create better collaboration within BRICS countries. Do you think this focus is highlighted here by uh, uh, Cyril in terms of the focus of small? Medium enterprises is a relevant focus to reposition these economies? 
Indeed. I mean, BRICS countries, as we are seeing, with the exception of Russia, have the larger populations, mm. which many, many people cannot access the formal economy in the traditional sense. And so they have to make a living in an informal economy way. Mm. Um, it is the global south way not to discard what your people have to offer. Uh, scarcity of jobs is a reality, and often people have to rely on their resourcefulness and finding the employment to address levels of economic inequality is important. And by bringing in the informal economy, the government may take a step in eradicating this inequality and addressing our understanding of social wellness and justice. Mm. Well, I want to take a quick break, and I want to pick your brains on, on that particular issue. Do we need further structural reforms in the economy for these uh, economies that seem to be static to actually grow? We see a bit of uh, turnaround, especially when it comes to China's and uh, its areas of demanding commodities. And also in terms of uh, the fact that uh, you know these countries have been relatively rated according to the GDP rate, and I'm not sure if I agree with you there, Arena, saying that the GDP of these countries is not essential in terms of uh, moving forward in terms of the economic strength. But we'll, we'll unpack those areas. What are your thoughts? Do you think that BRICS can survive the current tough economic environment? Give us your views. Our Twitter handle is at uh, Channel Africa One or at African Dialogue. I want to hear your thoughts. Thank you for joining us. Give us your thoughts of our programming as well on our SMS line on plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. It's just past uh, quarter past 11 uh, Central African time. Let's take another break. We'll be back. Hello and welcome to Channel Africa, the African Perspective. We broadcast from Johannesburg in South Africa and our main aim is to provide you with news, views, knowledge and entertainment from Africa to Africans and listeners from around the world. Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Muchemwa. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Diana Wanyonye in Mombasa. For Channel Africa, I am Kumbara Munjarere in Johannesburg. Channel Africa, Kinshasa, Jean-Noel Bamweze. Reporting for Channel Africa from Zambia, I am Hilda Kekelwa. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. You with me, Benjamin Mushat. I'm on our panel discussion program from Monday to Thursday, looking at the biggest uh, subject matters on the African continent. We haven't looked at BRICS in a long time, but we're coming back uh, to it because there's been a lot of questions around BRICS and its current uh, uh, status when it comes to the economic environment. It's 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 that's it, making a lot of economies uh, uh, really suffer and crippling a lot of projects that were probably underway. Is BRICS suffering from the same environment? Well, uh, coming from both of our guests, Sarina Morisan, who's a researcher from the Institute for Global Dialogue, which is part of uh, uh, the University of uh, uh, South Africa, she's saying that, hey, it's still a formidable force alongside Cyril Prinsloo, who's a researcher from the South African Institute of International Affairs. We also are, are joined now by Dr. Jaya Josie. I think we struggled because of those lines, because there's a storm there. 
in Cape Town. He's from the BRICS Research Center, which is part of the HSRC. Thank you, uh, Dr. Jaya Josi, for giving us your time. We've been speaking about the political instabilities of these particular countries, BRICS countries themselves, uh, Dr. Josi, and the fact that uh, there seems to be an implication when it comes to the economic slowdown just all around uh, the global economy. Your thoughts around um, BRICS still retaining its formidability as an economic uh, giant? Yes, uh, thank you very much, and I do apologize for joining you late. I was caught in the storm. Sure. I'm now parked in a parking lot <laughs> to try and answer your call. Well, thank but, you for uh, making yes, time for uh, us. Uh, I, you know, I think the BRICS, uh, I just attended the BRICS uh, forum in, uh, in in China recently, mm-hmm. and uh, the I think the yes, the, all economies, emerging market economies are going through a slowdown. Uh, South Africa is particularly affected, and Brazil are particularly affected, and of course uh, you have the, uh, the 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 sort of democracies of the rating agencies, mm-hmm. all, all the economies. In fact, recently they even downgraded Moody's, even downgraded China's economy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, not, uh, all that is very important uh, in in a sense, but uh, as far as the, the 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 group is concerned, I think they they are founded on principles that are larger than than the economic issues and they go beyond many other issues i mean they cover five essential uh, you know pillars and the first one is the economic issues they are promoting economic growth and mm. promoting uh, uh, you know uh, uh, trade and investment and all issues around that but the second pillar is around peace and security and a lot of the uh, the uh, issues around peace and security, the countries worked very well together. Mm-hmm. I mean, the issue around the invade, the possibility of another invasion in Syria was basically vetoed because of the consolidation of the BRICS countries who want to maintain peace and security. And I think they are they worked together at the UN, uh, United Nations and other areas for that. And I think when it comes to uh, the, the third pillar, which is uh, promoting social justice and sustainability and and uh, wellness and I think in, in that sense you know the the countries are also working very strongly together they endorse the sustainable development goals as a big strategy they work together towards uh, issues around poverty uh, dealing with poverty unemployment and inequalities in big countries and how they do this is that you have several different uh, uh, fora of uh, ministers for where the ministers of health, for example, will work together and, and coordinate the policies around issues uh, of the SDGs and health indicators, for example, or education indicators. Uh, and then, of course, you've got uh, political, the pillar on political and economic governance, governance internationally. And in that sense, they're working very closely within the context of the uh, dealing with issues jointly in the World Bank and IMF, etc. And one of the biggest outcomes of all that was the setting up of the New Development Bank. And already the New Development Bank has made two or three uh, 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 projects, uh, loans to the countries on uh, you know renewable energy distribution, and there's another one going forward. The, end, uh, the New Development Bank also has a facility which acts like the IMS special drawing rights. So in mm-hmm. case there's, there's an emergency, uh, then they have a contingency reserve arrangement which can support balance of payments deficits and mm-hmm. other issues that BRICS countries may suffer. And 
they, with, with the Asian countries, emerging market countries in Asia, mm. the BRICS New Development Bank is, um, all the members of the BRICS New Development Bank are also members of the Asia Infrastructure Bank, which mm. promotes a lot of infrastructure around that. And we find that now with China's One Belt, One Road initiative, mm. that uh, Africa is going to be a great beneficiary of that. Already uh, there's a big project, infrastructure projects being supported uh, by China and the Asian Infrastructure Bank and mm. I think other big countries for for the port in Tanzania and for the big railway line in Kenya mm. and other projects that's going to join SADC with the East African uh, the community of, of nations, economic. So you have all those kind of issues that I think are, are working very closely together uh, with the BRICS countries. And I think uh, mm. people perhaps don't see that. Mm. They see the negative issues. And all BRICS countries will go because, I mean, if you take South Africa, India, and Brazil, for example, mm. which have multi-party democracies, clearly they're going to have their own tensions and difficulties. But I don't think that will affect in any way the, the, the way in which the grouping operates because it operates at several levels. Mm. At the, operates at the top level. It also operates at the at the cabinet level, at the ministers level, and it also operates at civil society, labor, and it also operates at at the level in which uh, academics meet. Mm. We are part with the other groups, the people you are talking to. We are part of the BRICS Academic Forum and the BRICS Think Tank Council. So I think all those areas, and now they've introduced the BRICS Cultural Forum, the BRICS uh, Youth Forum, etc. So. There are different levels at which BRICS will continue, and I think that's what poses a very serious uh, 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 position uh, in the global scheme of things, because you've got all these countries with, you know, mm -hmm. billions of people with the largest economies and the f growing economies. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's. Uh, I think we can't yet uh, read the obituary of, of BRICS countries yet as mm. a group. Arina, I want to come to you in terms of the, uh, the how the New Development Bank has uh, changed the dynamics, especially when it comes to macro financing, because we know the IMFs and the World Banks were dominating in, in that arena. Uh, have you seen some new shifts when it comes to that dynamic? Well, the, 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 well then let me oh, just sorry. pose that to Arina, and I'll come back to you, Dr. Josie. Uh, okay. Right, so in terms of the New Development Bank, I'm sure my colleagues will expand. Um, for me, the specific emphasis has been on how the infrastructure and development programs will really impact on the environment. Mm -hmm. um, yes, there is a lot of optimism around the, the presence of this new bank, but there, there are the concerns that um, it will still be run as a traditional... <coughs> Uh, Bretton Woods type institution, which won't make as much of a difference as it was intended to. Mm -hmm. So getting back to the environmental concerns, it is presented in their environmental and social framework documentation, but they do not necessarily define what is sustainable development and rather allow the country receiving the funds to determine sustainable development in terms of their own legal definitions. Mm -hmm. The bank has approved the first set of the loans for green projects in specific mm -hmm. in 2016. So I remain cautiously optimistic, but in order to make a difference in how the world treats the environment, the developing world, 
BRICS could be a driver of those green industries, which could really influence the future as we know it. Mm. Uh, Cyril, your thoughts there. I hear Arena being a bit cautious there in the way that uh, the New Development Bank is doing business. Your thoughts around uh, uh, the first steps of uh, how the the bank has actually uh, progressed? Benjamin, I think the, the key... The key thing we have to remember, the difference between the new development bank and, you know, some of the traditional multilateral development banks, such as World Bank, African Development Bank, the new development bank is actually owned by developing countries. So what they've said from the outset is, as developing countries, they know the needs of developing countries. They understand the challenges involved. And I think they've already made a lot of progress in addressing some of those challenges that, for example, the World Bank has struggled for long to address. One of them is is simply the speed of loans. Uh, we've seen in the last two years that, that the New Development Bank has been up and running. They've approved seven projects already, uh, which, is, which is fairly remarkable. Other issue, for example, that a lot of developing countries have had in the past uh, with with the World Bank, with the African Development Bank, is borrowing in, in United States dollars. Uh, obviously, given uh, currency fluctuations, uh, that presents a big risk for them. If they borrow in dollars, um, you know, and there's currency fluctuations. Sure. So the New Development Bank is actually moving towards lending in local currencies. Mm. Uh, and they've done this already in, in the two projects in, in China. Uh, they're looking to expand this to to the to the other countries. Um, so hopefully in the future they'll be able to extend loans in, mm-hmm. in domestic currencies as well. Uh, but certainly I, I think the the new development bank, uh, as Arena rightly points out, uh, cautious optimism. But uh, we're seeing good signs from them so far. Mm. Dr. Jar Josie, do you agree with your colleagues? Yeah. Well, I, I you know I, I agree with this in, in a sense that. Uh, uh, the New Development Bank is different from the Bretton Woods Agreement, uh, from the World Bank, for example. I'll give you a classic example. When the World Bank uh, wants to give, make loans uh, on issues of uh, green uh, energy and sustainable development, they, they won't support anything to do with uh, fossil fuels at this stage. They won't mm. give any loans. Mm. They, they have conditionalities on that. So one of, what distinguishes the New Development Bank uh, from the uh, Bretton Woods group is that uh, th- their conditionalities are, are, are such that they suit and meet the object, policy objectives of the developing countries and they will discuss and negotiate that. But the, the policy uh, principles that they adopt are set within the uh, structure of the emerging markets, emerging economies. And I agree with Suru that that distinguishes the New Development Bank from the World Bank group. Of course, uh, if we want to push for a particular, say we want to push for renewable energies mm. over and above other uh, issues of energy in the mix, then of course uh, the New Development Bank will have a broader view of things than the World Bank or the IMF would. The World Bank wouldn't, wouldn't countenance, uh, for example, using fossil fuels in the mix. And if countries, emerging market uh, economies have a uh, no other option but to use their resources, like India, South Africa, and, and China have the largest resources of, mm. of coal, and, 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 and they're not likely to abandon that in the energy mix. And so, you know, one, one has to ask, you know, how, uh, you know, where should these countries go for such loans? Mm. 
mm-hmm. to produce the electricity that the emerging economies need. And I think the New Development Bank and the Asian Infrastructure Bank are alternatives that may be able to consider mm-hmm. this, whereas the African Development Bank may not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benjamin, maybe maybe just to add something and and to bring it back to our our ad- initial discussions around you know slowing economic performance of of many of the BRICS countries, I think this is actually an ideal opportunity for for the new development bank. Uh, so what we've seen in the past is you know countries in order to reinvigorate their economy is to pump money into uh you know infrastructure projects to try and stimulate the the economy again so i think you know from from that perspective as well the new development bank is is a very positive development mm-hmm. for these countries to help to try and help uh, stimulate their economies again mm-hmm. um by by um facilitating infrastructure uh, spending mm. well that's Cyril Prince researcher from the South African Institute of International Affairs who's with us in our studio oh, thank you as well to Dr. Jared Joseph stay with us on the line uh, from the BRICS research center he's right caught up in a storm there in Cape Town, South Africa. At least it's raining there. It's been very dry in Cape Town. And then we have Arina Murasan, who's a researcher from the Institute for Global Dialogue. When we come back, I'm also interested in uh, the issues of the the political environments in in BRICS countries. Seems like there's a lot of criticism in that regard. And also China and their style of borrowing is uh, uh, something that has also received a lot of criticism. Uh, Let's take a quick break. You're listening to Channel Africa. This is African Dialogue from Monday to Thursday, bringing big subject matters, looking at the African continent, and also we bring you panel discussions, giving you access to experts who sometimes find themselves right there in the offices or sometimes in the corridors of libraries or at conference centers, and sometimes we don't have access to them. So we try to give you that particular access. It's 11.32 Central African time. Let's take a quick break. We have great news for you. Channel Africa has gone mobile. If you have a cell phone, you can now download the mobile app for Android. You can get it on Google Play. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. This is Channel Africa giving you the big conversations on the African continent with an African perspective. Thank you for joining us today. Where we're giving you insights on BRICS. That's Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. They are an economic grouping. And also, not only economic grouping, but it seems like they're also are becoming friends in terms of issues of peace and security and environmental matters, as we've highlighted during the start of our program speaking uh, to our guests. Arena, I want to come to you and uh, looking at uh, uh, BRICS, it has been criticized from a political front. Uh, I know that uh, Russia has been also uh, criticized in terms of President Vladimir Putin's involvement in U.S. election scandals. South Africa and Brazil have been caught up in uh, corruption issues and issues of transparency when it comes to uh, governance. India itself has also 
been uh, kind of gov- uh, uh, criticized in terms of its transparency when it comes to electioneering and also its process of uh, uh, governance. And we know uh, China is very much of uh, a government which has been seen for being an authoritarian style kind of a government. Arena, your thoughts around more of uh, the smaller, the bigger issues here when it comes to the intention of BRICS, the real issues behind BRICS and the style of government seems to be one that is making a lot of critics wary of the real intentions of these various projects. And I don't know you as a researcher, do you find yourselves having that kind of moral conversation as you speak about BRICS? I think what's important to remember about BRICS is that, uh, number one, there are a number of misconceptions Mm. because of misinformation. Mm. If you look at the information that BRICS countries have put out together as BRICS, um, there is no one country driving the agenda. Uh, The leadership is supposed to be shared. Uh, Yes, they are more uh, powerful in terms of economic or political weighting in terms of security um, structures for a few countries, namely China and Russia. But at the end of the day, what we tend to see is a lot of negativity instead of the potential. And in terms of the negativity, it's, it's based on a number of misconceptions, that I'm, as I mentioned. Um, for example, when um, you gauge perceptions, African perceptions of BRICS in Africa in particular, for example, a number of perceptions are that uh, BRICS is in Africa to either extract or create another dependency uh, relationship mm. with the country on the receiving end. Other countries have had a positive relationship uh, with a BRICS country or a BRICS partnership. And there are others that just do not know what it is about. So a number of these negative uh, perceptions, and yes, there are negative perceptions that are based on a number of um, factual Mm. or not factual, but rather events Mm. that have taken place. Um, China, Russia, India, Brazil, South Africa, they all run their government's political systems very differently. And at not any point in time did BRICS say we are going to have one political system that, mm. and that we will act as a collective political unit. So if China, Russia, Brazil, etc., etc., want to have a particular input or want to behave in a particular way, it should not necessarily be a representation of what uh, potential BRICS may hold per se. Yes, it is part of the influence, but it is not the deciding factor. Mm. Let me come to you, Dr. Jaya Josie. I have a different view. I think BRICS countries have to clean up their their act when it comes to governance. Okay. Yeah, I think, uh, as I was saying, you know, the, I agree with the, the previous uh, uh, speaker who said that uh, they... Each country has got their own political uh, uh, principles by which they operate. And I think one of the, the founding principles of BRICS is non-interference in each, in each other's uh, mm-hmm. political uh, uh, governance issues. But uh, having said that, though, the, one of the five principles uh, that the pillars that govern the BRICS relationship is political and economic governance. Mm-hmm. And I think 
and in 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 that structure there is uh, there, there are uh, principles by which they all agree that there must be certain basic issues around uh, human rights, around respect for the uh, Charter of Human Rights, etc., etc. And I think that that particular issue kind of dictates how they operate within their own spheres to respect political and economic governance mm -hmm. principles of transparency mm -hmm. uh, and so on. But of course, in practice, uh, you know, even in other countries which are so-called multi-party democracies, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there, 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 there will be difficulties, there will be problems. Mm -hmm. I think in, in, the, in the pillar on, 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 on uh, uh, political and economic governance, the de dealing with corruption is a very serious issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, another issue that they deal, they they addressing very strongly is is capital flight. You know the mm. the illicit financial mm. flows mm. out of big countries mm. because that's impeding the growth and development in the country. Mm. Uh, another issue that they talk about is regulations, financial regulations. Recently, the BRICS countries sat together and the banks sat together and tried to see how they could uh, uh, look at the way in which the central banks and their reserve currencies, etc., mm -hmm. and, and the way in which their currencies can operate in terms of economic governance issues within the overall uh, international framework for financial flows and for uh, tax issues, etc. So I think in that sense, yes, uh, uh, the, you know, they have to clean up their house, they have to get it in order, and I think, uh, well, China d deals with it in a different way, Russia deals with it in a different way also, but... Uh, but I don't think, in a sense, that this group is any different, say, from the European Union group or, you know, from the uh, uh, Latin American group of countries, the OAS group of countries, mm -hmm. etc. I think they're all going to be affected by that. And I think uh, we, we, in principle, we all agree that, you know, uh, those things have to be dealt with, and I think we all support the idea. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm also not, you know... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical about mm. the way in which countries can deal with it collectively. Mm. I think this is something that can be done by each country dealing with it and within the context of their own democracies. Mm. And in South Africa, as you know, we are dealing with it in the public domain mm. and with civil society, with people and things like whether it's municipal strikes for service delivery or uh, corruption at the highest level. People go out on the streets. I mean, that's how they vote. That's mm -hmm. how they exercise the democratic rights. And I'm pretty sure every country will have a similar. To be realistic, that's what the only options uh, to make people do things. Mm. Cyril, while we're on that issue of governance, I want to move on a little bit in terms of global trends that we've seen also some challenges between the U.S. and uh, uh, Europe we, in the latest uh, developments of uh, Donald Trump actually saying that he is uh, uh, cancelling the, 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 the green economy uh, deal that uh, Obama had uh, certified with, with Europe. And also when we look at dynamics of, of Brexit and those kind of issues of uh, the strain between the transatlantic uh, economies, uh, do you think Brexit, the way that it's moving, that uh, it, it it is uh, actually opposite to what we're seeing in, in the the Europe dynamic. Um, Benjamin, I think. <coughs> sorry. Uh, one thing that we saw, especially in the from the 1990s onwards, mm. there was a, a strong global leadership from you know these countries, almost a collective leadership with the U.S. at the helm uh, on terms of uh, in terms of issues like the environment, like human rights, 
Um, so the U.S. with with many of these partners, you know, Britain, Germany, the EU that you mentioned, and I think what what we in increasingly see is almost a fragmentation of of that global leadership on many of these issues. Like you rightly pointed out, you know, the the U.S. is is increasingly pulling in a different direction. Uh, you know, this this group uh, has also lost a lot of credibility, you know, especially during the financial crisis, during the euro crisis. Now with with Brexit, you know, this this group of of the West who was seen to uh, to lead on on key global issues in the post Cold War era, uh, there seems to be fragmentation. Um, is there a role for the BRICS to play within within those dynamics? Certainly, um, as as my colleagues have suggested, uh, certainly there's uh, differences between between the partners. But I think what's important to remember is that BRICS has always been a forum of consent. Uh, you know, they they come together and discuss and agree together on on issues. Uh, issues such as global governance reform, and I think uh, partly they've already been successful in that. Uh, if we look at the changes that's uh, been made to the the International Monetary Fund, where the BRICS was actually a key lobby group um, to to the IMF to to change the voting structures so that it's more equitable, more representative of of the global um, global state of affairs. Uh, so certainly, I think. Um, the BRICS has a role to play, but not not only the BRICS. I think now is a time for for all global South countries to come together. Uh, I mean, in this changing dynamic, how do we want to see the future? What do we want to see? Uh, so I think all countries uh, have a responsibility to contribute to to these global discussions. Mm. Irina, let me get your sentiments in terms of uh, the way forward. It's one of my favorite questions to ask here on the show in terms of your projections, in terms of what you see BRICS becoming. I absolutely agree with Cyril in the sense that BRICS and the Global South has now, so to say, an open door into having a, a stronger voice or, or more uh, opportunity on global platforms. If I can give it away forward or something like that, yeah. the BRICS partnership for me is a statement to the world. If the developing world is given a voice, it can make an immense impact in how we experience the world. And so BRICS is often considered as a partnership or a type of partnership of many others that could arise in the future. BRICS is not the only partnership um, that voices the possibility um, of global alternatives. Mm, well, thank you so much to Arena Murisan, who is a researcher from the Institute for Global Dialogue. Thank you as well to Cyril Prince-Lu, always making himself available, coming to our studios. Thank you so much, mate, for coming back to our studios. He's the researcher from the South African Institute of International Affairs. Uh, thank you to uh, uh, Dr. Jaya Josi, who is from the BRICS Research Center, part of the HSRC. Uh, thank you all for uh, creating this dynamic conversation. I'm sure there's more that we can uh, discuss uh, in the future as we see uh, these uh, uh, infrastructural projects unfold on the African continent. I'm sure that we'll be looking at that. I'm sure as researchers, it's something that you're looking close at. So thank you to you all for giving us your time. Well, that's how we wrap up our program today. Thank you for joining us. Join us once again tomorrow, same place, same time, right here on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. That's 1100 hours Central African time.